0: Truth For Today with Pastor Jeff Shreve, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. Now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, good Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend. If you're like uh, most Americans, you uh, were glued to the TV last night as we watched together Super Bowl 58, Uh, roughly 110 million people from around the world tuned in to the football game between the kansas city chiefs and the san francisco 49ers i haven't been a big pro football fan for quite a while i was a big houston oiler fan back in the day love you blue and then uh, when Houston, when the Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee, I followed Tennessee for a while, but then I just kind of lost interest. But uh, one of uh, our good friends, Dr. Chris Schroeder, he and his wife are big Kansas City uh, Chiefs fans because they lived in Kansas City, and and so uh, we kind of root. My wife was rooting for Kansas City. I was rooting for San Francisco for one reason: I like Brock Purdy. I like his testimony. I like his boldness. The quarterback. Of the San Francisco 49ers and uh, so I was hoping that he would win. I thought he played really, really well, but uh, there's a guy on the other side of the field named Patrick Mahomes, an East Texas boy. He grew up uh, around the Tyler area, and uh, he that guy is phenomenal. And you just knew when he got the ball in overtime. With a uh, three-point deficit, that he was going to at least tie it or probably win it, and that's what he did. And it was an exciting game, twenty-five uh, to twenty-two, as Kansas City uh, repeated their Super Bowl championship and uh, three titles in the last five years. And a couple of the things that uh, were noteworthy: uh, one was in the in the uh, early part of the game where Travis Kelsey, the tight end that is. Uh, is the one dating Taylor Swift and they show her all the time. Well, he he kind of uh, belly wopped. Andy Reed, he was obviously very upset. He wasn't in the game when uh, when they were driving. They were on the inside the 10 yard line and they fumbled. and uh, he was he was upset that he wasn't there. He wanted the ball. You know he didn't do a whole lot in the first uh, first half, but uh, he came on strong in the second half. And uh, that was really something that that, uh, surprised people, but they just kind of blew it off after the game. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just the heat of the game. I mean, we love each other, and it's no big deal. You know, I played uh, high school sports, and I loved my basketball coach. He was my basketball coach in eighth grade, and then the way our school worked, uh, we were a brand-new school, Cypress Creek High School. And so we had the same coach uh, for 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, Coach Norman Pache. And uh, he is a a special, special guy to me. But I could not imagine uh, bumping him. Uh, He would have benched me in a heartbeat. And uh, that just wasn't done back in the day. So that was pretty surprising that, uh, that he did that and felt like he could do that. Another thing that uh, that came out, you know, that people people tune in for commercials. They like commercials at the Super Bowl. I didn't think the commercials were worth the flip, personally. I like the Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial. I thought that was pretty good with this, the State Farm and him saying, neighbor. And, uh, you know, that's Arnold's accent. Come to the, get to the chopper. And uh, so I thought they did a good job with that. Um I thought the uh, the linebacker for San Francisco, uh, Dre uh, Greenlaw, uh, that was such a freak injury. If you saw that, he was waiting to get back in. He's a, kind of the heart and soul of their defense, waiting to get back in. And when he went to went to run on the field, he tore his Achilles tendon. That is such that is one of those gremlin injuries. That's one of those freak injuries. Nobody hits you. Your, your Achilles just pops and you could see it pop on him and he went down in a heap and he was done obviously and done for a while. Achilles tendons tendon injuries uh, take a long time to heal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers seemed to uh, to heal quicker than anybody I've ever seen before on, uh, on that kind of injury. He said he was 90-95% back and Maybe could have played. He tore it at the first game of the season, and then um, was out the rest of the year. Normally, that's a year to heal, and so you feel bad for that guy. You're in the biggest game. He's so excited. He's so uh, jazzed and pumped up as as anybody would be. And uh, to have that injury, yeah, there was nine twenty six. I looked it up. Nine twenty six left in the second quarter when he popped his Achilles tendon on his left leg. And it was just in tears, as you can imagine. It reminded me of uh, Colt McCoy when, uh, I'm a big University of Texas fan, went there, graduated in 1984. But when Colt McCoy, in the national championship game against Alabama, early in the game, uh, the first possession for UT, he got injured. And it was a weird freak injury. And uh, he was done. He was done for the game. And so he waited his whole life for that moment and he gets on that big stage and then that happens you know those things are are difficult for us we just like what in the world um you know the, the natural question is why lord just yesterday i preached about job and i called that sermon the truth about troubles and tragedies of life you know, things happen to us that we don't understand. And Dre Greenlaw, no doubt, didn't understand, doesn't understand, wakes up this morning. He's facing surgery uh, for that Achilles tendon. And an athlete wants to, if you have to have a surgery for an injury, you want to get it done ASAP so that you can start healing. Um, but, you know, Job's situation, Job had Uh, the bottom drop out of his life. And he has two statements in the first two chapters of Job that are just uh, incredible statements from a man of faith, a man that unlike any other man on the face of the earth, the Lord pointed him out to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Well, you know, the the battle there, then Satan said, well, yeah, he he doesn't fear you for nothing, God. Let's face it. The only reason that he serves you, that he fears you, that he worships you, that he uh, quote unquote loves you, he doesn't really love you. You're just, his, you're just his meal ticket. You're his sugar daddy. And here's the thing, God, uh, if you take away the sugar, if you take away the blessings, then he'll curse you to your face because he doesn't really love you. He just loves the things you do for him. and and as we know, the Lord allowed Satan to do that to take away everything, all of Job's children and all of Job's wealth. He lost it all in just five minutes of time because he has these servants come in one after another. Hey, uh, all your your uh, cattle or, or your oxen were were they were plowing, and uh, the Sabeans they attacked them. They killed your servants with the edge of the sword, and they took your 500 oxen, and they took your 500 donkeys. They're gone. Theft and murder. And then it says, uh, while he was still speaking, another came in, hey, the fire of God fell and burned up the sheep. But he had 7,000 sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So the first issue was uh, a marauding band. They they were stealing and they were murdering. And then it was, you know, something happened with a natural disaster. They call it here the fire of God. It wasn't the fire of God because God wasn't doing this. Satan was. But uh, the fire of God fell as they uh, explain it. And you lost all your wealth as it related to sheep. And 7,000 sheep is a lot. While you're still speaking, boom, Uh, Hey, hey, we have another issue. The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And so another uh, issue of theft and murder. And he lost all his wealth. And then he gets the worst news of all. There was a a great wind that came and all your children were together celebrating a birthday. And uh, the wind blew down the house. And. Everybody was crushed and everybody's killed. And Job hears all that news. You've lost all your wealth and you've lost the deeper wound. You've lost all your children. Now, it would be hard enough to lose one child, but to lose all 10 of your children at one time. Bible says, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave. We like it when the Lord gives. Uh, no, no doubt all of us like that. But then the Lord takes away. I shared with the church, I said, you know, every blessing that you have that I have is an undeserved blessing on loan from God. Uh, we, we don't deserve it. We come into the world naked. Uh, we, we come into the world with nothing in our pockets, not even pockets. You come in naked. And the Lord, everything you have is a gift from God. Your, your health, your finances, your children, your, your mind, your ability to do things. It's all a gift from God. Rush Limbaugh used to say uh, when he would be introduced, with talent on loan from God. Uh, that's not, I mean, that's tongue-in-cheek the way he was saying it, but it's really true. Everything you have is on loan from God, and Job recognized that. As as crushed as he was with the news, he recognized, hey, none of this belongs to me. And then when he lost his health, because Job chapter 2, he loses his health, and, and Satan smites him with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, and they're painful, and they itch, and he probably looked somewhat like the elephant man he's uh, he's so disfigured with these swollen uh boils that he has it says in job 2:12 when his when his friends came to uh to be there for him it says they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him because he looked so different and he had some form of leprosy or elephant, elephantitis, something like that. But it, it was a terrible, horrible disease. As you can imagine, if the devil has free reign to attack you, not take your life, but to bring you pain and suffering, he's going to bring it to the hilt. And so his wife said, hey, just curse God and die. I mean, this, this thing is over. And she was hurting too because she lost all her wealth and all her children. But Job said this, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. So poor Dre Green, Greenlaw, the linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, had a terrible, horrible injury that took him out of the Super Bowl That's might take him out of pro football for a year, and who knows, if you come back from that, maybe that's your whole career is just done. And we don't understand, and we ask God why, But here's the thing, when you don't understand, when you can't trace his hand, when you can't see his plan, you trust his heart, and you say with Job, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord, and I accept good from God, yes, and I accept adversity from God, as much as I don't like it, and here's what James says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When those bad things happen, you have to put them in the joy column. Even though they're not joy, you consider it. That's an accounting term. Consider it. You put it in the asset column, not in the debit column. Consider it all joy, knowing that God is using this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Hey, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted and maybe you're going through some really hard difficult things right now and you don't understand and you're asking yourself where is God you know Job was asking those same questions Job 3 has five whys in it he's asking God why 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 I don't understand why the bottom has dropped out of my life and where are you God God is silent for 35 chapters in the book of Job he finally uh, talks to Job in chapter 38 talks to him for four chapters and after god finishes speaking with job job repents in dust and ashes well you're listening to real truth for today pastor jeff shreve here and when we come back from the break we're going to talk with dr tom askell about the commercial he gets us maybe you noticed that commercial it was about jesus washing feet and it said jesus didn't teach hate jesus washed feet Uh, That got a lot of reaction on social media, and we're going to weigh in on that whole campaign. Is that helpful or hurtful? Uh, Spoiler alert, it's hurtful. You're listening to Real Truth for today. Don't go away. This is Real Truth for Today. Podcasts of the program are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Pastor Jeff Shreve. Welcome back to the program. Pastor Jeff here. And uh, we are talking about the Super Bowl and what happened at the Super Bowl. Uh, And people tune in for the halftime show, which I couldn't give a rip about that. But they also tune in for the commercials. And uh, there was was a commercial uh, that was on He Gets Us, the He Gets Us campaign. Um, And that commercial came out, and it was uh, just music, and it was uh, people washing feet. And so they had a a one-minute commercial. probably cost about $14 million dollars. And he gets us, and they, uh, they just said, uh, put text on the screen, and it said, Jesus didn't teach hate, Jesus washed feet. Jesus didn't teach hate, Jesus washed feet. Well, uh, I was doing some research on the he gets us folks, um, and, and they said it's a campaign to shake people out of their stupor Uh, I'm sorry. They said this. I wrote this down somewhere, and I'm trying to find it. Uh, We're emphasizing loving our neighbors like Jesus did, encouraging people to respect and serve each other. We're trying to change the perception that Christians are seen and known as haters. So Jesus didn't preach hate. Jesus, uh, he washed feet. Now, Obviously, we know Jesus did wash feet. In John chapter 13, he washed the disciples' feet on the night in which he was betrayed, and he washed their feet. That was the only time he did that. He didn't wash feet of all the multitudes. He washed the feet of his guys. It was a symbol of, of them. Um, you know, Peter said, Lord, you never wash my feet. That's, that's too lowly for the Messiah. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. He said, well, not just my feet and wash me all over. He said, no, he who has been been cleansed doesn't need to be washed all over. Uh, You just need to wash your feet. And the principle there is once we come to Christ, he cleanses us. But we, as first John one says, as we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. We have to come before the Lord and continue to walk in the light, continue to deal with sin. And so he washes our feet as we walk with him. He forgives us as we walk with him. And we um we confess to him as he convicts our heart of sin and so this idea he gets us well, no doubt he gets us he he made us he knows john chapter 2 he he doesn't need anyone to testify to him about man he knows what's in the heart of man and uh i just i just can't stand this campaign because i think it just it just puts uh it, it puts the love of god in in such a way that that we lose the truth of god and that is not a good thing jesus is full of grace and truth and the the truth of god is lost in that well we have our good friend dr tom askell to weigh in on this so uh dr tom welcome to the program
1: well, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to discuss this with you.
0: Okay, so uh, Tom, you're you're not uh, unfamiliar with he gets us, but another campaign that uh, went out on uh, the commercial time for the Super Bowl yesterday, roughly fourteen million dollars on their one minute uh, foot washing uh, commercial. What is your hot take on that?
1: Oh my, well, yeah, I watched the commercial again this morning, and it's just, uh, look, the commercial is not designed to win lost people to Jesus. The commercial is designed to soften up Christians to keep us from saying what you just said uh, and representing Christ and the gospel with all of its hard edges. And so Christians need to realize we are being played by the progressives who are trying to uh, make christianity acceptable to a god-hating world and when i say god-hating world I, i'm not being ugly i'm just trying to, to represent what the bible says uh, th- there's so many angles to this jeff i was thinking this morning you remember two years ago when they announced this campaign hundred million dollars invested in it by david green i think the big backer he's at hobby lobby founder mm-hmm. and uh... the north american mission board of the southern Baptist convention kevin Ezel. And Ed Stetzer, they did this podcast for like 20 or 30 minutes just gushing over this campaign, mm-hmm. how great it's going to be. North American Mission Board was investing in it and partnering with them as well, until a pastor from Texas, Tom Buck, said, Hey, wait a minute, look at this campaign. This is crazy, and started doing some investigation on what their message was. And uh, Kevin Ezell got so embarrassed and people got so upset who were sending money to Nam that they finally did pull out of it. But this is the kind of thing that's going on. I mean, there's there's, there's so much wrong with the messaging of this uh, commercial, these commercials, this campaign. But the bigger picture is this is progressive Christianity, and even people who are not Christians, trying to move those of us who believe the Bible either into silence or complicity with Uh, doing away with the distinctives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's time that the Church of Christ wake up and realize this.
0: Amen. You know, uh, Tom, I was thinking that this idea which we try and present this – this just uh, kindler, gentler Jesus type, you yeah. know, to use George Bush language, uh, the first yeah. one. But, uh, you know, Jesus, John the Baptist came and preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came yeah. and re- preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, Paul preached on Mars Hill. Uh, God is now declaring that all men everywhere should repent. Uh, when Jonah had an effective ministry in Nineveh, even though he didn't want to go there because he preached, "Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Uh mm-hmm. You know, you were probably like me, introduced to the four spiritual laws in college, um, and you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's true, but I have, I have changed my view on how to witness to people. It's the way of the yeah. master, as uh, as uh, our Australian friend says. His name yeah, escapes Ray me Comfort, at the moment. Yeah, yeah Ray Comfort. You, you got to show people that they're in trouble.
1: Right, right, I agree. I mean we we cannot be more loving than God. we can't be more compassionate than God, and so I wonder, you know, would the he gets this campaign have any place for psalm one thirty nine do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. I mean, can you say that in a campaign that's supposed to be uh, representing the, the God of glory? Or when Paul writes in Romans 13, he says that love must be genuine, but abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. LGBTQ plus ideology is evil. The teaching that, hey, you can be a gay Christian and it's okay, that's just who you are, that's evil. That kind of teaching takes people to hell. And all this he gets us campaign is doing is leading people who love their sin and hate their God on a pathway further down toward eternal perdition under the wrath of God. If we really love them, we'll tell them the truth and we'll say, "Hey, God is able to save LGBTQ people. He's able to save those who murder their children in the womb. He's able to save uh, the the homosexual and lesbian." But when He does so, He tells you, go and sin no more. He changes your nature so that you become someone who wants to be like Christ. You will not linger in your sin, loving it and thinking that you're safe uh, because some hundred million dollar campaign has told you that Jesus gets you.
0: Yeah, it's just sickening. So this was uh, from their spokesman, Greg Miller. He said this. he gets us ads are intended to appeal to viewers who don't consider themselves religious or at least aren't heavily interested in religion. The commer- commercials intend to modernize Jesus and his message by connecting him to current world events such as racial injustice and immigration. We hope to remind everyone, including ourselves, that Jesus' teachings are a warm embrace, not a cold shoulder. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I mean... Th- and yet cnn ran an article after the ad last night and they said you know there's a lot of young people that just the people you described that this campaign's going after and they're upset because they discover that this foundation that david green's established they've also contributed to alliance uh for the uh, the adf uh, yeah for christian uh, liberty and they've also contributed to conservative christian uh groups that say lgbtq is dangerous and wrong look you're not going to win. You you think you can be nice enough that you can get people who hate God to like you, and you can like them into the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. People need to be born again. They need a work of the Spirit to humble them before their Creator so that they recognize their need of a Savior, and they look to the only Savior the world has, which is Jesus Christ. And when Christians forget that, we get moved. We get played. And that's what this campaign is doing. It's trying to move Christians. And I want to say to my fellow pastors, brothers, we've got to wake up and address this, because we don't, most of us don't have $100 million to fight it with. We've got to, from our pulpits and in our discipleship, warn God's people not to be moved along the line of progressivism into an outright apostasy. That's where this is headed.
0: Yeah. Well, I was thinking, Tom, uh, Andy Stanley's book that he wrote some years ago called Deep and Wide, where he basically says, you know, if you will do church the way Jesus wants you to do church, you'll have a flood of people just like he had all these people that that came, uh, you know, to hear him. And we turn people away because, you know, we're, we're too hard line or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, this the campaign's website also insists that ads are not con, uh, are not connected to an anti-gay agenda. Explaining, let us be clear: in our opinion, Jesus loves gay people and Jesus loves trans people. Well, Jesus loves all people. He sure, loves people absolutely. in sin, but the the, the, the tacit tacitly uh, approving message there is: you don't need to change. He loves you just the way you are. Right.
1: Yeah, he loves. Gay people, he loves hypocrites, he loves the uh, self-righteous people, he loves LGBTQ people enough to tell the truth about them and to them that they must be born again. They must repent of sin and come to the Savior. And if we, if we lose that message, uh, whatever we're offering will only comfort people on the way to hell. You know, I've just started in recent weeks preaching through Genesis, and I've been just stunned with a fresh reminder that I must never forget, that John 3.16 doesn't make any sense apart from Genesis 1.1. You cannot just preach the gospel as if... Uh, We are talking to people in some kind of nebulous vacuum that doesn't deal with the realities that stem from Genesis 1.1. This is God's world. We're God's creatures. He's our creator. We're accountable to him. One day we'll stand before him. And because this is God's world, he sets the rules. And if you don't begin to measure your life by his rules, you will never realize that you've shattered them and that you are a rebel in his world, and you are in need of forgiveness. You are in need of reconciliation with your Creator. And that's why God sent his Son into the world, because he so loved the world that he gave him that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But if you try to teach John 3.16 while pretending that this is not God's world, and he has already set the rules for how his world is to be governed, uh, you're going to be teaching a, a a false message
0: hmm that's for sure well that's why it's uh it's so dangerous and it it might play to certain people that say they watch that he gets us oh isn't that wonderful and if christians were more kind and and gracious and and loving you know we get the tom the the argument that um you know christians should be for all this this illegal immigration because we love our neighbor um mm-hmm. Why is that so twisted?
1: Yeah, it's twisted because it's a Uh, half-truth. It's this misunderstanding that if we are only nicer, gentler, kinder, then people will like us, they'll listen to our message. Well, listen, aren't we supposed to be like Christ? Was there anybody more loving or kind or gentle or lowly than Jesus Christ? No. You know, I like to say, Jesus was pretty Christ-like, and they crucified (laughs) him. (laughs) Yes yes you know, so we we cannot escape it and if you're going to be fearful of people being offended and people writing you off because of the message and you, you're going to start shaping the message to cater to their appetites when you do that it's the it's no longer the gospel it, it is a message from hell now i get it christians can be jerks right. and there's no excuse for that you know we must never ever do that but it's not being a jerk to say in an unvarnished, plain-spoken way what God says in his word. And when we do that, we are being loving.
0: That's right. The, the worst thing you can do to somebody is lie to them. Um, you know, churches that—Tom, uh, I've used this illustration a lot—God's called the church to be the hospital for sinners, a hospital for sick people, spiritually sick people. We're not hospice. We, we don't just— fill you with drugs mm-hmm. to make you feel better until you die and go to hell. Uh, we're right. there to perform surgery. We're there to say, hey, this is your problem, but you can get better, but here's what you need to do.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, after those litany of uh, all the, the variety of sins that the Corinthians came out of, including homosexuality, he says, and such were some of you but you were washed, you were cleansed. The gospel came in power and changed you. And so I love the stories of people uh, like um, uh, Rosaria Butterfield Uh and others who were living blatantly, flagrantly, outspokenly scandalous lives of rebellion. In Her as a lesbian who were converted and now say, no, 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 I understand the gospel, and here's what the Word of God actually says. That's the message that we need to be preaching. It's the the power of a gospel, a God who raises the dead, to transform people who are caught up in any kind of sin. And Mm -hmm. it just grieves me to see these folks who are obviously hurting, they're obviously wounded, and they need help, and they want to experience real love, kept from the real thing by being served up, artificial, uh, superficial, unrealistic uh, answers to their situation that leave them twice the children of hell that they were before. And uh, and the people who do that are guilty. And Mm. uh, we should not be hesitant to call them out and plead with them to return and come back to Christ and begin to say what Christ says in his word and not just proclaim this Jesus of our fantasy world.
0: Right. Amen. Well, thanks, Tom, for being our guest. Tom Askell, the pastor in uh, at Grace Baptist Church in Florida. We always appreciate him coming on. You're listening to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. When we come back from the break, we'll be taking your calls. 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Give me a call and let's talk about the Super Bowl or whatever you want to talk about. I'm here for you. According to a recent report, Planned Parenthood continues to rake in billions despite dwindling clients. The biggest takeaway here is that Planned Parenthood is generating vast profits, including millions in taxpayer funding. And preborn, that's you and me, are stealing their clientele, meaning the babies they're trying to kill. Preborn operates on a very slim budget as they rescue over 200 babies' lives every single day, and they receive no government funding. Preborn's network of clinics are situated in the darkest corners, competing head-to-head with the abortion giants, and they need our help now more than ever. When you donate $28 to Preborn, you will offer a free ultrasound to an expectant mother caught in crisis. Once she hears that heartbeat and sees that precious life, her baby's chances at life doubles. So please sponsor a precious baby's life. Your tax deductible gift will go directly towards saving babies' lives. So be generous. You will never regret saving a baby's life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound two fifty baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. If you'd like to contact Pastor Jeff, email Pastor Jeff at org. Now, back to real truth for today with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Welcome back to the program. Pastor Jeff here, and we're talking about, we just got through talking about the He Gets Us commercial campaign. Uh, That was uh, a subtle attack on Christianity, on the real Jesus, on the fact that uh, men, women, boys and girls need to repent. Uh, You know, God has fixed a day, as Paul said to the uh, to the the people on Mars Hill, to those uh, Epicurean philosophers. God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Jesus is coming back, not as the suffering servant, not as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And you read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he comes back in fire. Uh, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. Uh, We need to be fearful of judgment as uh, jonah preached in nineveh yet 40 days and nineveh will be overthrown that's what got the people's attention he didn't preach god loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life although that is true but what is uh, uh, of critical importance is is uh, that you are in trouble because you have offended heaven's king. You've offended the God who loves you, and you have chosen uh, your own way over his way, and there's a price to be paid for that. And when you understand you're a sinner, that's when you cry out to the Savior. And so that's what's so important for people to grasp. And as Tom Askell said, you know, this uh, this kinder, gentler Jesus uh, is not, that is not going to win people to Christ. Jesus said that if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. He's love incarnate, love in the flesh. You can't be more loving than Jesus. You can't be more kind than Jesus, more gracious than Jesus. And Jesus preached and people hated him for exposing there, sin, even when he talked to the woman at the well. Go call your husband. I don't have a husband. Uh, you've spoken correctly. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. He exposed her sin. You have to deal with your sin if you're going to come to the Savior. Well, we're going to the phone lines, 888-589-8840, 589 8840 If you have a question regarding what happened yesterday, 110 million people tuned in to watch the Super Bowl. That's what people are talking about so we want to uh, to scratch where people are itching and so we uh, we'd love to hear from you we have Jay on the line from Texas Jay welcome to real truth for today
2: yes pastor Jeff I have uh, been waiting a long time for you to say you can talk about anything we wanted to talk about uh, I'm a I'm a student of, uh, of John MacArthur and uh, I know you you value him, too. Uh, yes. Uh, he, 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 he talks about himself being a leaky dispensationalist, and I don't understand what that is. I don't know where he's coming from on that. I've never heard him explain it.
0: Yes. So, um, John MacArthur believes that uh, God still has a plan for Israel, that Israel, although they've been put on the shelf, so to speak, because they rejected uh, their Messiah— and God is working through the church that John MacArthur believes in the rapture of the church that is going to take place at at some time, any time. We're supposed to live uh, as if Jesus could come at any moment, so we always live on ready. But he knows that the promises that the Lord has made to Israel, the church hasn't replaced Israel. Uh, Israel is separate, and uh, once the church is taken uh, out of the world, at the rapture, and then the tribulation comes, the Antichrist will be revealed, the tribulation period will come. Well, all the promises that God has made to Israel will come to pass. Jesus is going to rule and reign. Revelation chapter 19, when he comes back at the battle of Armageddon and defeats the Antichrist and, and his enemies, he's going to set up his kingdom on earth in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem will not be the tail anymore, but Jerusalem will be the head. And that's the, the the second coming that the Jews in the first century, they understood about Messiah doing all these things and ruling with a rod of iron, everything would be great. They didn't understand. They got the comings mixed up. And so they missed the first coming because he comes first as the, the suffering servant and he comes as the conquering king the second time. So I don't know. I'd have to look that up to see what he means by leaky but um what uh what did you understand that to mean
2: well i i didn't know but i know what a dispensationalist uh, believe and i know he believes in, in, in the pre pretrib uh, rapture right. and the premillennial return of christ and, and and i believe in all those things too and and the the uh, the, uh the god finishing uh, going back to the remnant from israel and and finishing in uh, the, uh, the abrahamic covenant with everything he promised israel including the land and everything I, I agree with all that but he says i just heard him say in a question and answer thing that that uh he um he he was you know
0: he he believed all those things and then he said you know i am a leaky dispensationalist yeah. not just a
2: dispensationalist
0: well and i didn't he- know what he was talking about Here's here's one quote from uh, that Q and A where he talked about being a leaky dispensationalist. He said this: "There is a tendency, however, for dispensationalists to get carried away with compartmentalizing truth to the point that they can make unbiblical different." differentiations. An almost obsessive desire to categorize and contrast related truths has carried various dispensationalist interpreters far beyond the legitimate distinctions between Israel and the church. Many would also draw hard lines between salvation and discipleship, the church and the kingdom, Christ preaching and the apostolic message, faith and repentance, and the age of law and the age of grace. So that might be J. what he's talking about. So he he doesn't adhere to all those things. Uh, that a dispensationalist might adhere to. So he, he might be a little looser or leaky as he, as he refers to it. But I don't know if you saw the uh, the message he gave at the Shepherds Conference last year. Uh, he spoke for an hour and 15, 20 minutes, uh, did a whole sermon on the book of Zechariah, And he really uh, hit those guys. Most of those guys are amillennial, um, he hit those guys on, hey, the Scripture is clear, just like it was clear in His first coming, it's clear in His second coming, and uh, he wants to make that a an emphasis with the, the time the Lord uh, has left for him. He's 80—I think he's 83 years old—to uh, really— uh, let those guys know because the Calvinists tend to be real mushy when it comes to uh, eschatology they're very solid on all these other things but when it comes to eschatology then things don't mean what they clearly say a thousand years doesn't mean a thousand years and that kind of thing so he's a, he has a burden uh, to to let those guys know that look up to him so greatly uh, hey, Here's what the Scripture says very clearly, and he calls the book of Zechariah an amillennialist nightmare, because uh, it clearly speaks of the coming of Christ in power and glory and his kingdom uh, being there in Jerusalem. So, well, uh, I hope that's helpful, Jay.
2: It sure is. I'll look it up. Thank you so much,
0: Jay. Okay. Thank you, my friend. We got Janet on the line from Texas. Janet, welcome to Real Truth for Today.
3: Yeah. Uh, regarding the Super Bowl, I sure applaud uh, Reva McIntyre. She sang the national anthem in, from her heart, like it should be sang. And she pointed toward the flag. And I said she is a true patriot. But I really applaud her for her boldness in singing the truth of the national anthem the way it should be sung. But also, when you were talking about evangelism and reaching out to people, Anymore, when I, you know, I'll share Christ wherever I go, grocery store, you know, the filming station, whatever. But I thought, you know, a lot of people, I'll say, you know, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ loves you. And I'm a Christian, and I have a cross. My mother gave gave it to me. It's it's big. And I said, I am a Christian. And I said, the only way you become a Christian, I've started, I thought, I need to start telling this. And it doesn't take too long. You say, to be a Christian, you know, is to, when you repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, invite Jesus Christ from all of your heart, invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life, to take away all of your sin, to give you life eternal. I said, that's being a Christian. You can do a lot of good things, that you've got to be willing to repent of your sin, and truly, from all of your heart, invite Jesus Christ to come in. So, anyway, when I share that, I know I have shared the knowledge they need in order to come to know the Lord.
0: Mm, Amen. That's very good. Yeah, there is no salvation without repentance. And there is no repentance until you understand that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself. And it's not that I'm a, a, a quote unquote good person that just needs a little little boost and a little pat on the back you know adrian said that uh we don't need a boost from beneath we need a birth from above unless you're born again you cannot you can't be saved you can't see the kingdom of god you can't enter the kingdom of god uh as it says in john 3 uh marvel not that i say to you you must be born again and so we we share the message that god uh God did send his son because he loves us, but he sent his son because we are on the road that leads to hell, uh, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. That has within it, embedded within it, the fact that we are perishing without Jesus, and we desperately need to repent to turn around, change our mind about what we believe about sin, about what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about the Savior and put our faith and trust in Jesus. Well, God bless you, Janet. Thank you for uh, calling in and uh, God bless your witness. And we need to be doing exactly what you're doing and sharing with people at the grocery store, at the cleaners, everywhere we go and pointing the way to Jesus because uh, we're on a sinking ship. This This world is a sinking ship. And it's sinking down to the abyss, and Jesus is the only, uh, the only Savior, and He will save anybody who will come to Him in repentance and faith. So God bless you as you uh, as you do your job as uh, a faithful, effective, bold witness for Christ. Well, we have Kelly on the line from Arkansas. Kelly, welcome to Real Truth for today,
3: brother. I just wanted you to kind of teach on. The what you're thinking about candidates for the next election and uh do you think that god's going to give us what we want or what we need and i'll just let you tell where you are on that
0: yeah great question kelly um uh, boy i don't know um you know, I had this discussion with Steve Hale last Thursday. He's written a, a two-volume work about awakening now or never for America, and, uh, you know, we hear every year, this is the most important election of our lifetime, and really it is. Every every four years, it becomes the most important election, uh, so I, I don't know if we've hit the point of no return. Steve uh, has that question in his book, has America gone too far? Um and I personally think that people haven't gone too far. Uh, some have committed the unpardonable sin, as Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 12. But I think our nation is on a collision course with judgment. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that can be reversed at this point with all of the abortion and just all of the, the floodgates of, of sin and, and perversion that have taken over. I think individuals. And the, and I think there can be a great awakening of individuals, uh, to come to Christ. And, uh, you know, whether it's Donald Trump or if Joe Biden even is going to be the candidate, uh, he's obviously mentally impaired. Um, it's just sad to see, uh, there, his family just keep carting him out there. He can barely read the prompter. It's just, uh, it's, as some have, have aptly said, it's elder abuse, but, uh, You know, no doubt uh, Donald Trump would be far better for our country because somebody that just upholds law and order, for instance, that would be far better than what we have now. But who knows what's going to take place? I think it's incumbent. Christians need to vote. Christians need to get involved. Christians, as I told my church just a few weeks ago, never, ever, ever, I don't care, Democrat or Republican, never, ever, ever vote for a pro-abortion candidate. Uh, You just don't do that. That one issue is a mountaintop issue. It outshines every other issue because that issue uh, is so revealing. And if you would uh, vote for a candidate who is for the brutal uh, dismembering, murder by dismemberment of the defenseless unborn, uh, what does that say about that person? So uh, we cannot uh, vote for any candidate that would do that and we have to stand up for what is true what is honorable what is right and so we vote for candidates we have two flawed candidates no doubt Uh, we always do in every election jesus isn't on the ballot Uh, he's king but uh, we have a choice between uh, you know choosing the lesser of two evils so to speak and sitting it out is not an option. So we need to get involved and we need to uh, seek the Lord. And we need to stand up as good soldiers of Christ Jesus and do all we can to plug the holes in the dike in America until the Lord comes. Well, thank you for listening this morning to Real Truth for Today. Go out, shine for Christ, share what great things the Lord has done for you. Stand up for Jesus as a good soldier of Christ, Christ Jesus. And uh, he will use you as his witness. God bless you.